Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver. When's it going to be my turn to drive? I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapy associate, your mechanic. As always, folks, you're in the driver's seat. Let's get going. Today's quote is by the great Brazilian soccer player, Pele. A lot of people, when a guy scores a lot of goals, think he's a great player because a goal is very important. But a great player is a player who can do everything on the field. He can do assists, encourage his colleagues, give them confidence to go forward. It is someone who, when a team does not do well, becomes one of the leaders. Last week, we talked about relationships with the boss, not Bruce Springsteen, just your boss at work. Today, we're going to talk about the bulk of your relationships at work. If you think about a normal distribution curve, this would be the big bump in the middle. Pretty much anybody who isn't your boss and who you're not madly in love with falls in this range. So Don, what kinds of relationships are these? These are really three groups, at least according to Dr. Jan Yeager. That's the acquaintanceship group. These are people at work that you know their name, you might know what they do, But you don't really interact much with them, and there's not much of a relationship other than saying, hi, Bob. And then a year later, you find out his name is actually Brian. (laughs) Well, then you wouldn't know his name, so would he be a a fourth category? (laughs) Well, we're going to be talking about that in the next episode. And then there are workship relationships. And these are people that you have active interactions with based on your role at work. Think about the roles that would need to interact even if the people were different. These are generally folks that you might not know if you weren't in the work setting. And then there's friendship. Most of us know about this. We had friends when we were younger, at least I hope you did. These are people with whom you've developed a deeper sense of trust, where you share more about yourself than the project you're working on. These are folks you'll do things with outside of work and not related to work at all. They often have common interests with you. The big part is you're willing to be vulnerable with them and share deeper parts of who you are. Is there no category kind of between a workship and a friendship where you really don't interact outside of work, but you are, you know, you talk more about your personal life. There is more trust between you at work. That's a workship plus. Yes. And recognize that these are, are shown as dichotomous when really they're a continuous variable. Right. There's a lot of overlap and sort of a a continuum from workship to friendship. Yes. The two tails of this distribution are the work foe. This is someone that you have uh, a lot of difficulties with, and we're going to be talking about these next time. And the workplace romance, the other side where it's gotten really deep with somebody. Um, So those are important enough that we're going to set up a whole episode for those. Now, hold up. I don't want to throw you off in case this is actually a thing, but we're talking about a distribution curve. Most of the relationships are in the middle. The foe is at one end, the romance is at the other, but then where's the boss? So the boss hopefully is in the middle. It's a type of workship. Okay. The boss is a type of workship. Yes. There you go. I see. Okay. Gosh, let me answer a question. What are the other types of workships? I didn't realize there were types of workships. So there are four different types of workships, mentor, advocate, trailblazer, and communicator. 
Ben, you were asking kind of where does a boss fall? And it is part of the workshops. Boss could be a mentor or an advocate. Honestly, a boss could be any of these types. That's correct. That is true. Okay. And a good boss is all of them. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. I not only did that. I not know that there were types of workshops, I didn't know you could be more than one type at the same time. I don't know. Am I right in that, Papa? Well, again, we're talking about them as discrete categories when they're really much more continuous. The idea right. is to make it easier to talk about the relationships. Giving uh, some descriptions so that we know what we're talking about. A mentor is typically a senior colleague uh, who has kind of the same trajectory in your career path. And it's someone that you can go to with questions who can help you get to where you're going. A great example being Dr. Don, who is my mentor, because, hey, we are in a similar field and he has way more experience than me and I'm learning along the way. An advocate is a colleague who will speak up in the work area, who really advocates, surprise, for your work and any good jobs that you're doing and supporting you in making sure you're seen in the workplace. A trailblazer is that creative person who's always like, hey, have we tried this? Let's think outside of the box and try new things. And is usually kind of that first person who's jumping in, breaking new ground, and thinking new about how things are done in the office. The communicator is that person who's usually in the middle. You know, that person who seems to be able to get the message across to a bunch of different people. They'll translate from technical to kind of the sales pitches and then back to the technical so that everyone seems to be getting an understanding who's able to get the communication across all of the different departments that are going on within a single office. So the key thing with workshops is that these are based on the job. They don't really extend into the rest of your life. And often you don't stay connected to these people if you move jobs. Sure. Like your mentor at your work is not going to also mentor you in like life stuff or certainly isn't going to follow you to a different job. Right. Although you might follow them to a different job, which often happens. If the mentor is someone who's senior to you and they go off to a different corporation, sometimes those people bring people with them. And that's what makes it a workshop more than a friendship or anything else, is that it's really based on your role in the organization and your connection to people through the organization. And then once it starts to involve more personal stuff and trust, it evolves towards a friendship. But That's like correct. you said, on a, on a continuum, not necessarily, oh, yesterday we were just in a workshop and you were my, my trailblazer buddy, and now we're best friends. <laughs> right. It doesn't quite go like that, but okay. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yep. I mean, except for me. That's how it is for me. <laughs> ben makes best friends with everyone. That's true. So let's say you've got a great workshop and you want to develop it into a friendship. First of all, is that even a good idea? Is it good to have friendships at work? Because we talked a little bit last episode about obviously having a romance at work is not necessarily the best plan. And a workshop, these different types of workshops seem like they can be strong relationships, strong, healthy relationships. So is it always safe to be developing them into friendships? You know, you add that trust, but that means that there's more risk as well. That's the nature of trust. Relationships in general are really important in your life. And we spend, what's the percentage of amount of time we spend at work? 
about 40% of our total time, which includes sleep, we spend at work. So it would make sense that you would want to and eventually develop your workships into a type of friendship because that's where you are most of the time and you share maybe a common interest or at least you share similar experiences to be able to talk about outside of work. That makes sense. Okay. So I want to develop my workship into a friendship. How do I do it? Give me the steps. Step one, learn their actual name. Brian. Wait, no, Bob. Wait, I forgot. It's actually Bill. Well, we had the first letter right. That is true. And inherently there is some level of risk with any friendship that you begin to develop because any friendship can fall apart and that's going to hurt. With workships that develop into friendships, there can be more complications than just a regular friendship that developed out of common interest elsewhere. The reality is workships are characterized by that professional connection. You really wouldn't have met this person if you weren't at work together. The friendship, like you said, Ben, is developed as trust increases. And we've gone over the trust occasion. We've gone over the trust occasion. The Trust Occasion, a new book by Ben Azevedo. (laughs) The time for trusting is now. (laughs) We've gone over the trust equation a couple of times. A quick reminder for people who either have not heard that episode or just need a reminder on what the trust equation is. It is reliability plus credibility plus approachability divided by self-orientation. It's on a scale from, I guess, 0.3, not zero, to 30. As you develop this workship into a friendship, obviously there will be more trust that's developed. You'll want to schedule time to develop that relationship. So maybe meeting for coffee on a weekend or grabbing dinner or beers after work. And then as that starts to develop, you really want to appreciate this person who has come into your life and is joining you in a way that's meaningful and supportive. Together, you'll need to be positive in the face of adversity. Workplace drama happens. We all know it. You don't want to be gossiping about others with this person. That's not healthy in the workplace in general, and it kind of creates that division across the workplace. And that's not something you want in a healthy work environment. Now, gossiping is like specifically negative talking about other people, right? Yes. Like if you're forming a clique and talking about that person over there, or if you and your your new workship friendship are talking about other people. Yep. Not This is not like talking about things that are happening at work generally, because that's a good source of conversation for you and your friend. You do want to manage your boundaries pretty well. Again, as you're developing this from a workship to a friendship, there's a lot of different steps. And Depending on how it's going, you kind of want to make sure that your boundaries are safe. And of course, in all relationships, you want to understand where your boundaries are so that you're maintaining a healthy relationship. And surprisingly, like every relationship in your life, you will need to listen attentively and communicate well. Surprise! It seems like there's a lot of overlap between building a workplace friendship and building a normal friendship. (laughs) Yes. That's absolutely true. And, you know, one of the reasons that you have to manage the boundaries particularly is you spend a lot of time with these people at work. And if a spouse begins to feel like you're closer to someone at work than you are with them, that can create a lot of problems that you just don't need. Uh Uh-oh. 
So pay attention to that and make sure that if you're developing a friendship at work, that it becomes a friend of your marriage if you're married or you have a significant other. Make sure that they're a friend of that relationship. Now, this raises another question for me that I think we could probably do another episode on. But do you feel, Don, like any friendship that one partner in a partnership has needs to be a friend of both people? So notice that I use the wording friend of the relationship. I did notice that. I was curious about that. Because it it is very likely that I will have friends that are not people that would interact with my wife very closely. But whoever my friend is needs to support my marriage to my wife and not interfere with it, not take sides, not try and do anything that would in any way damage the relationship. That makes sense. That's what I mean by friend of the relationship. Now, it's lovely if your your work friend can also be a friend of your spouse. Sure. And y'all can get together for dinner and it's a happy thing. And I have certainly had lots of those people at different places that I have worked. Wait, did you just admit to having friends? Again, twice on the podcast. They were all work-related friends. So when I moved companies, they didn't really come with me. Mm. But in the moment, you had friends. Do you think it's possible to move a work-related friendship if you leave the company? Yes, Yes, actually. There are some people who are very good at that. And they have friends across lots of different companies that they've worked for. Hmm. That's me. Mm -hmm. And they stay in touch. I mean, part of it is that very first one. If you're going to maintain that friendship, you have to schedule time to nurture the relationship over time. Is there such a thing as too many friendships? Yes, because if you feel overwhelmed by your friendships and it's starting to become difficult, yeah, it can be. But I know people for whom three or four friends is more than enough. And I've known people who have had hundreds of friends that they track and interact with. Well, in my opinion, there's also tracking and interacting versus actively wanting to share information about your personal life on a regular basis. So, I mean, I have a fair number of friends that, yes, I talk to and track on a regular basis, but I wouldn't necessarily reach out to them if I'm having personal struggles. I have a group of probably four or five. Sorry for anyone who's listening who, you know, is like, yo, I'm in that group and I didn't count you. How would they know? (laughs) That's a great question. I honestly don't know. Can you name them, please? No. No. who I would reach out to if I was feeling like I needed someone to be a confidant. It's kind of like that in all things, it's on a spectrum. This is someone I feel really close to. This is someone I enjoy spending time with, but I'm not going to reach out to them if my romantic relationship is falling apart or my cat died. I know that was zero to 60 and I kind of hurt my own heart. Yeah. (laughs) Your cat's alive. She poked herself in the heart. You see him? Where is he? I was lying. I <laughs> <laughs> that was mean. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean we saw him we saw him moments ago. We did. But he's in a new place. Who knows? It's only he been got 20 stuck minutes. in the dryer earlier. So okay, we've talked about how to develop a workshop into a friendship. Now we know how to turn our workshops into friendships. Why would having friendships at work be so important? I mean, we talked a little bit already about spending a lot of time at work, but what are some other reasons? Well, this is interesting. And organizational development psychology has really looked at this question about what happens when you're at work. Most of your waking hours are spent with these people in the workplace. 
Umberson and Montez, in a paper they wrote in 2010, talked about feeling connected to others as a basic human need. And it has a significant impact on your mental health, your behavioral health, your physical health, and mortality risks. Now, that's pretty impactful on a person. People at work can kill you. Yeah, and work actually does kill. The stress at work, if you're not doing things well, prolonged stress degrades your body. It's just not a good thing. Dunbar in 1998, writing from an anthropology position, looked at actual neurophysiology and social pain in the workplace from feeling isolated, for instance, activates the exact same area in the brain as when the person is experiencing physical pain. Is this tied into like bullying and stuff as well? I mean, we don't talk about bullying as much in the sense of a workplace. It's usually related to school, but I'm sure that it exists. And also just that sense of isolation. It doesn't even have to be active bullying if you just feel disconnected from your peers at work. Yes, it could be that. And it's a reasonable hypothesis to say that this research would apply to the bullying situation when you're growing up. You mean I just came up with a hypothesis? You come up with hypothesis all the time. Like a scientist? Yes, like a scientist. It's a very human thing to do. Ben's a secret scientist. The question is, is he a mad scientist? (laughs) He's just a crazy scientist. So this is important. You know, if you can feel this social pain from being isolated, consider that now in the era of video conferencing from home. There are a lot of people who are quite excited about the idea that I get to be at home and work, yet this will interfere with creating those friendships at work and developing the kinds of connections that allow for the innovation and creativity. And there's got to be a balance, I think, between that, that video conferencing from home, which is really positive, and the positive things that happen from meeting face-to-face from time to time. That popped another question into my head, which is, and Kim, I'm sorry that this sort of ignores you, because your working with Papa is relatively new, but Papa has worked for many years as he's an old man. <laughs> You have often been a self-employed entrepreneur working essentially alone, and you see people as your work all day, but they are not workships. How does all this play out for you? I mean, do you not feel isolated every day? So being a business owner can be very isolating. So it was important to me to develop relationships with other business owners in different fields so that I had a group of people who would understand what it's like trying to build a business and having all these employees and who could be trustworthy. They're not going to steal any ideas from me because they work in different industries and a great mirror for how I'm behaving and how I'm contributing to whatever problems we're having in the workplace. So as an entrepreneur, you built your workshops exterior to your actual business. Yes, sir. Cool. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they still continue. That's that's one of the, the stronger groups for me for having a sounding board. So that was Dunbar from a 1998 sociology piece. And Gui in 2017 did some research that showed that when relationships in the workplace are characterized by cooperation, trust, and fairness, the reward center of the brain is activated. So this is, again, physiological stuff. And when that reward center of the brain is activated, that encourages future interactions with those people, and it promotes more employee trust, respect, creativity, confidence, and thinking the best about other people instead of griping about the worst. So if you can actually create these much more positive workplaces, you get better performance from people. 
if anything, I would really love business owners to think about this in the sense that you can drive profitability if your HR department is really focusing on how do we create better working relationships? How do we create a space where people can trust one another, bounce ideas off of one another, and truly cooperate to find solutions to whatever the business problems are? Yeah, it sounds really nice. Science is pretty cool. I love it. How come it took the smart scientists from 1998 to 2017 to do a study about the positive side of social interactions at work? You know, that's a great question. And most of science in behavioral health has been focused on what's broken and wrong. It's been very reactive in the sense that we're looking at how do we correct things that have already gotten bad? And this is very much the the medical model, right? People come in and they come into you sick or broken or that kind of thing. So that's where you need to react. And only recently in the last maybe two decades has there been a push to go upstream from that and to start thinking about, well, if we kept people healthy, wouldn't that make things a lot better? So people like Martin Seligman have been leaders in creating this positive psychology movement and research about how to keep people healthy to begin with, more emotionally resilient, more emotionally intelligent, and better capable of creating and maintaining solid relationships. Cool. And if you're a business owner and you have been intrigued by this idea, give me a call. I'll help you get to this spot. Cool. If you're an employee and struggling with workplace relationships and workplace friendship boundaries, give me a call because I can help you out with that one. And if you just want to talk to a cool, cool guy, give me a call because I'll be your friend. All right. Hopefully that leaves you all with a new or a better understanding of your coworkers or maybe your employees. And hopefully that understanding helps you develop the kinds of relationships that you want at work. If you have any questions about your work relationships, drop us an email at questions at afpsych.com and we could answer it on the show. As always, please rate and review us on iTunes if you can. Speaking of iTunes, we had one five-star review and now we have six five-star reviews. So thank you to the five additional people that gave us some stars. It really does help. Until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azevedofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. And may the sun shine warm upon your face. Bye.